Let's do it. Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Carey. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? And we have every single one of our lines wide open right now. That's right. Right now is a great time to call, too. Oh, yeah. You, know, you call at the end of the show, and they give us a rush to get out of here. Well, that's right. Yeah, we lots of times we're sitting here at just about time to get out, maybe 10. 15 what, till? Uh, 10, 57, yeah. <laughs> whatever that number is. And someone will call with an interesting question, and you start making an answer to it, but then, boop, we got to get out. So we got to give them the bums rush and off the air. So right now at the beginning of the show is absolute perfect time to call in. We can spend some time with you and get your questions answered. And yep. Of course, mm-hmm. stuff that occurred to you during the week. Just after don't care show, to call in. After, after the show's the show off, goes the air. off the air. You can always visit the website and get your questions answered there. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. Easy way to remember that's Altazan's Garage Cup. That'll get you to our site, and there's several databases you can search depending on what kind of information and how much information you want. That's right. For the last week, I've been going through the vehicle topics or the vehicle questions, which are the short to the point answers. I've been making sure they're all still up to date because some of them are four or five years old now. Right, and you get a little been, out of date. That's right, rewording them, just adding additional information. That's probably every night for about the last two weeks. <laughs> you start rewriting about 1,100 questions. And oh, yeah, it takes be time. be amazed how much time that eats up. But that's what we're doing right now. All those are being updated. And we've also got the detailed topics, which is a lot more information on a particular topic. Correct. And that's very, very good information. Put one on there this morning on understanding warranties. And this is particularly about new car warranties, but it also includes extended extent, warranties, okay. some of that. And a lot of people are very, very confused about warranties. So this will clear an awful lot of it up for you. That's great. goes into policy adjustments, which a lot of folks don't realize. Two people can go into a dealership with the exact same car and the exact same problem And some can walk out with a no-charge repair, and the other guy walk out paying full price. No kid. Oh, absolutely. And it's just knowing what to say, knowing what to ask for. Gotcha. So you got to be kind of careful with that. What is a TSB exactly? I go on forums from time to time just to get some insight for the ad to the site. And one of the questions that came up, a lady says, well, is a dealership able to interpret a TSB any way they care to? Well, the answer is yes. A TSB is not a recall. It's not a warranty. It's a piece of information that the manufacturer says, look, we've had this problem on a lot of cars. doesn't necessarily mean it applies to your car, and there's nothing there that says, hey, they have to fix this because it, that happened on your car. It's Correct. just a piece of information. So this goes into depth on all those sorts of things. I thought it was a very timely piece of information. Also, just rewrote an article on storing vehicles. That's a good one. I added a whole lot of additional things that I've thought about since we wrote the original piece back in oh, 2009 and updated it and i'm in the process now of adding a couple more pictures to it and stuff like that but a lot of good good information there pop on there and see what you think i think you'll really like it it's www.agcoauto.com lots of good information and we're going to our phone lines with al good morning al good morning yes sir good morning. i've heard you say listen to you enough to know that you're big on using oem parts yes sir. But however you have mentioned time or two some things that you have found that work better than oem there are a handful yes sir okay i was wondering if you also said that if you ever came through this life again you'd like to come through as a general motor <laughs> fuel pump so you well, have to work that way i'd never have to work <laughs> yeah. i wouldn't have to work very long anyway have you found something better than the oem general motor fuel pump i haven't al as bad as the delco pump is it's probably the best of the evils because I have 
seen many, many people try the aftermarket stuff, and it doesn't even work as well as the OEM did. I believe, in my opinion, GM's got a design problem there. The pump is just not designed very well, and so every aftermarket pump is designed exactly the same way with cheaper materials. Hmm. Now, there are some things you can do to drastically increase the life, or at least increase the odds of getting a longer life of the fuel pump, and one is to watch your fuel level at all times. Mm-hmm. Never let it go below a quarter of a tank of gas. Because what a lot of folks don't realize is that gasoline actually flows through the pump. That is what cools that pump. Mm -hmm. Now, especially on the newer cars with the returnless fuel systems, that gas in that tank gets very hot. And when it gets low, it gets even hotter. So it's not cooling the pump very well. Mm -hmm. Another thing is it's not providing adequate head pressure, so the pump's having to work a lot harder. So that's one thing. Another is buying a name brand of fuel that's clean. Most of the pumps that we find that die prematurely, if you take them apart, you're going to find a lot of debris and trash inside the pump. Mm-hmm. And the GM pumps, for whatever reason, just don't seem to be real robust for that. They just don't seem to tolerate that well. Mm-hmm. You take Toyota, for instance. We probably changed two Toyota fuel pumps, what, in the last 20 years? Yeah, not many at all. And I know they're operating on the same fuel. I know people are running them low as well, but they're just a more robust design. Mm-hmm. Ford has a pretty good fuel pump. We've changed a handful of those, and ironically, Chrysler has a pretty good fuel right. pump. We don't change very many of those, but GM, that's just been an issue. And I think when they went to the filter in the tank, they may have gotten that better because we haven't seen too many of those yet. But, of course, those are all pretty new trucks. You right. know, they You're started out in 04. 04? Yeah, mid-year 04, they started putting the filters in the tanks, and I think they did some redesign work on the pump as well. So, yeah, to answer your question, Al, is that the the GM Delco pump is probably still the best thing out there, but it's still not my idea of what should be there. Now, if you could adapt the Toyota pump. Yeah, <laughs> you Toyota pump put in there, then you maybe have oh, something. Then you'd have a market. <laughs> well, my problem is I've got a 95 Silverado. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And a couple months ago, the original fuel pump went out at 225,000 miles. Wow, you got a good one. Mm -hmm. I put a Delco Mm -hmm. OEM pump back in that lasted Mm -hmm. two months. Well, I'm going to tell you what happens an awful lot of times on there, Al. And what you need to do is look and see where the connectors go into that pump. Uh The old pumps, when they go out, they start drawing more amperage. They will burn those connectors. And it's a very, very subtle. It's not burn up like, oh, my God, look at this. Uh You've got to look close. But it will burn those connectors. The connectors will open up. You put the new pump in there, lasts about two months, wham, connection breaks, and it goes out. Because anytime it quits running, you got no fuel pressure, you're going to assume fuel pump's bad. But not necessarily so. Yeah. We get them in all the time where people will bring us their old fuel pump. We'll check, and there's nothing wrong with the old fuel pump. And so well, I put a new one, it works. Well, yeah, but you unplugged it and replugged it. So you may want to check all those connections real, real good. And there's a connection on the top of the fuel pump, and there's also one on the bottom. And there's one inside the tank. Right. And those will burn, and when they burn, it will make that pump quit working, and it gets blamed on a fuel pump a lot. One other possibility is that you have some debris that's in your tank, and any debris in that tank is going to take that pump out pretty quick. Well, I put a new strainer with it when I put it in there. Yeah, but you got to check inside the tank, and that's pretty difficult. Did you drop the tank out? No, I'll fill the bed. Okay, well, if you do that, it makes it a lot harder. We generally will take the tank out, go take it outside where you can really look down in there good because you can't put very many kinds of lights around it. But many times you'll see a lot of debris that's built up in the last 200,000 miles, and Mm -hmm. it finally took out the original pump and then just continues to take pumps out. 
Well, I took the pump out and I jumped wires to the connectors and mm-hmm. it will not run. Uh, yeah. On the pump. The one now that's not working? Uh, you're right, the new one. Yeah. The old one will still run a little bit, but this one won't at all. But the thing that really bothers me is mm-hmm. you know they got a rubber seat that you put down on the bottom of the pump? Uh huh. Yes. It seems like this thing is, is like it's been in some kind of a solvent that is not designed for it. It's half dissolved, where the one that I had originally was sitting in the tank for 16 years. Looks better than this one does. In Well, and now what's happening nowadays, you go and buy a GM Delco pump, but it's not that GM Delco pump that was made in Pennsylvania 16 years ago. This was made in China somewhere, so who in the devil knows what you're getting? Well, that's true. You see, the problem is this truck's 200 miles away, and and, and I've changed it once, and I'm going to go back and do it again. uh, Yeah. You know, I'd like something to last better, but if that's the best I got, I guess I'll go That's about the best you're going to get. Now, you got to watch, too, Al, Delco has two lines of parts uh-huh. and depending on where you buy it from you can get their second line and they don't do it with every single part but they do it with an awful lot of parts i know on alternators starters water pumps uh-huh. and all that they've got one series of pumps which are the oem part and another series which is absolute junk same exact box same everything you just got to know the part number to know the difference huh. So you got to really, really watch that. If you bought it from a supply house rather than a GM dealership, and even if you bought it from a GM dealership, you yeah. may be getting a second-line pump. Okay, I bought it from a parts house. It wasn't, well, it wasn't GM, hmm. but it isn't a Delco box. Well, right. I'll tell you what, I can show you two water pumps in identical Delco boxes, and you take them out and look at them. One's made in China, one's made in Cleveland. And ain't, you can't, unless you work on it every single day like I do, you're not going to know the difference. And I think it's deplorable that Delco does that, but they do it. Hmm. And I talked to a Delco rep about it the other day. He said, well, you know, they got so many other cheap parts, we got to compete. I said, no, you don't. If your name's going to stand for something, it ought to be your name. If you want to bring out a line of junk parts, put a different name on it. Well, well got, that's not what we do, uh, obviously. That guy left with his hat in his hand, too, buddy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he left out of hanging his head, boy. You know, I ain't going to cut him any slack. But, yeah, absolutely, you can buy what you think is Delco. I had a guy not too long ago come in. We quoted him a price on a water pump job. He said, man, that's way too high. I said, well, I don't think so. He said, well, I can buy that same part. I said, no, you can't. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, go get it. So he goes, gets it. I bring it. I set them side by side. I said, which one you want me to put in? Darn, I can't believe it. I said, well, believe it. There it is. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm doing this every day. <laughs> well. Yeah, you can definitely get shifted with your eyes wide open these days. Well. I don't know where to go then, okay. You, yeah, there's, there's no way I can get that part number you're talking about? Where can I? I would have to look it up for you. I don't know. And I'm not 100% sure they do that with fuel pumps, but I know okay. for absolutely sure they do it with starters, alternators, water pumps, water pumps and uh-huh. lots of other stuff. I'll look on the box. If I see something, I'll drop you an email if you could. Let me know. Yeah, what. I'll see what I can find out. Okay. okay Thank man. you, sir. I do appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Donnie's been patiently holding. Good morning, Donnie. Good morning. Good yes, morning. Sir. I have a 94 Pro GT, mm-hmm. and the sunroof doesn't work. Okay. What does uh, it do? Well, <laughs> well, I closed it, and it wouldn't open back up. Okay, so it's just stuck shut? Well, it's not stuck. It's just um, not working? Because uh, the way mine works is mm-hmm. when you mash the button, yes, sir. it tilts up. Okay. You have to release the button. Okay. And then you mash it again, and then it goes back. Okay. It doesn't tilt. It doesn't move. So I found out that there's a relay Okay. Attached to the system under the header? Yes, sir. Okay. And I had to re- I re- replace the relay. Mm-hmm. And it, it does the same thing mine does. It makes a little clicking noise. And okay. And I tried other things, made sure I had 12 volts coming to the switch. Mm-hmm. And can you get that done? Yeah, you're going to 
probably have to drop the headliner out of there, get back to the motors that run that thing, and make sure you've got 12 volts at that motor. It's possible it could have burned a wire between the switch and the motor. It's possible the motor could have gone out. It's possible a gear could have broken on it. possible something could have gotten a track and jammed it. There's lots and lots and lots of stuff that happens to those things, and I'm not sure exactly how that one works. Some of them just have like a little gear and several little motors that run up and down. Other ones have like a little cable, almost like a little speedometer cable that runs them. Other ones have a little plastic drive shaft that runs them. I mean, they use all sorts of different systems. But what you'd have to do is get the headliner down out of the car, which is no small task, where you can access the guts of it. Well, I've done that already, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm actually at the motor. Okay. I actually went and got another motor from a salvage yard. Mm-hmm. And so I just hooked it up, and nothing happened with it. Yeah. And so I you... took mine down thinking that, I don't know, maybe it'd be stuck or something. Mm-hmm. So I tried to engage it while it was down to see if it would move. Well, what you need to do before you do all of that, though, is see if you got 12 volts power and ground at the motor when the button's pushed. Okay. And that's the key. You're going about the most expensive possible way, and you may not ever solve anything. When you start going by parts and put them on there, number one, you don't know if the other part's any good. It's in a junkyard, so who's to say it was working? But number two, you're going through a whole lot of expense or something that you could do real easy with a voltmeter. Got power and ground in the proper direction and all at the motor, and it's not working, then maybe you got a bad motor. But You can have 12 volts at that motor. Right. And under no load, you'll have 12 volts. Right. But if you load it, it'll go away. Right. You've got a broke wire or a burnt wire or something right. like that. So you may have a- got to load the circuit and check it, check load the voltage it. loaded. Okay. To get the correct, you may have a piece of uh, output, piece of say sixteen gauge wire there, which has probably twenty five strands of wire in there. Twenty four is broken and one still made. It'll conduct twelve volts. It just won't carry any amperage to run that motor. Okay. So there's stuff like that. You can have a terminal that plugs on that's spread and it's touching, but it's not. So first thing you want to do is go in there and check for twelve volts at that motor. If you do not have it there, go to the other end of the circuit and check for twelve volts there. Okay. Now, if you got it there and you don't have it at the other end, go halfway and check there. And that way you just keep half and half and half, and so you can go to it pretty fast. But you have to find out where your voltage is dropping out. Now, if you got 12 volts and ground at the motor and it's not working, then you got a bad motor. And even, like I said, you don't have a known good motor when you go to a junkyard and buy another one. You just got another motor. Now, I hooked the other motor that I got from the Savage Yard. I hooked mm-hmm. up direct, mm-hmm. and it ran. Okay. Well, I'm thinking you probably right. got a wiring issue there or... If you take the little motor out, can you access what it's turning? Like, is there a little gear or a little slot or something in there? Yeah, there's a little plastic gear. You might try just turning that with a screwdriver or something to see if it turns to make sure it's not bound up. Okay. Just make sure the tracks can move, or just try to take the motor out and move it by hand and see if, make sure there's nothing bound up in there. Okay. But that's kind of the approach that I would take. That motor runs when you put 12 volts to it. The motor is obviously going to be good. You're just dropping power somewhere. One other thing, my air conditioner, mm-hmm. when I turn it on, it cools, uh-huh. but my suction line and my liquid line, they both sweat. Well, as long as it's cooling, I wouldn't be overly right. concerned about that. Generally, the pressure side is not going to sweat because it's hot, but depending on the condition, especially on a cooler day, it may. You know, I wouldn't really, as long as the thing is getting cold, I wouldn't really worry about what the lines are doing. Okay, so that's not a big issue. No, no. not necessarily. Okay, and one other thing, huh? uh, I don't have a cell phone myself. All right. <laughs> you There's got, two of to, you now. We got to form a club. We got to form an international club. Oh. <laughs> That's two people I know that don't have a cell phone. That's right. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Okay. All right, Donnie. All right, sir. Have a great day, man. You all too. Thank Bye-bye. You. All right.
right, we got to take a quick little break. Charles, hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. Sir, how did you get in here? I used my grappling hook and climbed in through the window. Uh, as long as you have an appointment. Ah, yes, Mr. B. Wing. Uh, why are you stressed about your job? Doc, I live in an area with a high crime rate, and part of my duty is to fight that crime. But lately, it seems like every time I turn around, someone needs my help. It's like this bright light signaling. Bat, I mean, B. Wayne, help us. Well, Mr. Wayne, there's not much I can do in regard to your crime-fighting dilemma. But if you want some peace of mind, bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They'll inspect your vehicle bumper to bumper and let you know where you stand. And these guys are honest? Years ago, they advised me not to fix a minor electrical problem that I could live with because it was too expensive. They sound like good people. Okay, I've got to go. <coughs> I sure wish he would use the door like a normal patient. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us at the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis Alzan, Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? I'd be glad to... Uh try to ask you a question or at least just to hear from you and comment. <laughs> see how far out we're actually getting today. There you go. There you go. You know, one last tip, too, for Donnie, if you're still listening, Donnie. A lot of times, circuits on things like that are powered all the time, and the switch actually controls the ground. So if you go to the motor and you check for power and you go between the motor and the body, you may see power there. However, you have to check the other side of the circuit to make sure you're getting a ground when the switch is pushed. Because it's common on stuff like that to control the ground rather than the power, and you may be lacking a ground as well. Right, so you need to actually check the connector with both leads instead of the body with check the ground Check across lead. the connector rather than back to the body of right. the car, because that'll fool a lot of people. Yeah. Let's go back to our phone lines. We have got Charles has been patiently holding. Good morning, Charles. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. Morning. taking my call. Yes, sir. I enjoy your show very much. Well, thank you, Thank you. A quick question. Sure. When I was a youngster, the mm-hmm. old men believed in adding Marvel Mystery Oil yes, sir. to the crankcase and the gas tank. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Is that a good practice for today's cars? Probably not, Charles. I like Marvel, the product itself. It's a great product. And we use it under certain conditions, but as just a routine thing, no, I would not do it. Mm-hmm. You never know what's going to happen when you start adding additives. You've got three-stage catalytic converters and all, and you're putting oh, yeah. a foreign substance mm-hmm. in there that it doesn't like. Right. Some of the materials they're using in fuel lines and stuff could mm-hmm. possibly react to that sort of thing. I think it's a good product for occasional use. Let's say you have a valve that's ticking a little bit and you want to put a little bit in your crankcase. I don't right. think it's going to mm-hmm. hurt anything. It's one of the very few products I've used over the years I've never had a problem with. Mm-hmm. And that was actually a family-owned business up until very recently. I saw the other day, I think Johnson Wax or somebody bought them out. Really? Oh, yeah, right? yeah, it was a privately held company for, man, it was an oh, old mechanic forever. that actually invented that. <laughs> ba- back in the T-model days. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was sold out. And I don't, I, I don't want to say it was necessarily Johnson's, but I think it's something like one of the big companies bought them out. Mm, okay. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But okay, I, well, I wouldn't use it on, Thank you very yeah, much. I on a routine basis. Shop. I need a little work done. Okay, well, great. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right. All right. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. And going back to our phone lines, we've got Jackson on the line. Good morning, Jackson. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing Good great, morning. sir. Have an 05 Expedition. Okay. Throttle control, control body is acts up from time to time. Yes, sir. Right? That's fairly common on those. And how hard? Will that just leak? Uh, 
generally I just turn generally it off it'll, and, it'll and, cut you back to half power, and if you shut it off, and turn it back on, it'll go ahead and power up. Eventually, it may go out completely. The three things that we see most commonly on those, Jackson, and, and you'd have to check that one to be certain, but the connections are real bad about going out. They do sell a pigtail for it, and you can replace the pigtail. Sometimes we'll fix it. The throttle position sensor in the throttle body goes out a fair amount, and then, of course, the throttle body assembly will fail. Now, on Ford, if I'm not mistaken, if you're going to uh, try to attempt to fix this thing, you might price the throttle body and the TPS separately. Because if I'm not mistaken, the throttle position sensor costs almost as much as the whole throttle body, which comes with a throttle position sensor. Wow. Yeah, yeah you can buy almost the whole assembly with it in there, almost as cheap as you can buy just the one part. So and the advantage to buying it already in the body is it's set. You don't yeah. have to worry about it. All you got to do is plug it up. Right, because plug it's an it adjustment in. procedure that's kind of involved, and some people don't get that right. So I want to say, and, and, and I may be totally wrong with this, but I want to say the entire throttle body assembly is about 250 bucks, and the Throttle position sensors like 190, yeah, something yeah. like that. So, aren't those the same parts that are used in a, a number of different vehicles? Uh, yes and no. Toyota use the same one. No, no, they're all different. Every all one different. of them's got their own brand and all. But what they have is an accelerator pedal, which is really no more than two sensors, and those are called accelerator pedal sensors. Those don't give much trouble. We rarely ever fool with those. Then there's two more sensors in the throttle body, and all four sensors have to correlate with each other. Whenever any one of the four doesn't match, then, bam, it shuts you down to half power to to try to avoid runaway throttle or anything like that. So they kind of air a little bit towards the safe side, I guess, and it's very annoying because you're driving along, wham, it goes to half power, and then you cut it off, and, Many times it doesn't even set a code or doesn't set a decent code that you can trace, and it doesn't occur very frequently, so it's very, very difficult to find. Yeah, mine on the dash, it tells you that throttle control body. Mm-hmm. You know, it yeah, says reduced, that, reduced that, throttle mode or something to that effect. Mine, now, mine doesn't go to half power. It just uh, The other day, it just went off completely. I just really? pulled off, turned it off. It can I do that, that as well. It just depends on the nature of the yeah. uh, fault. If it says, hey, we're going to go to half reduced power, that way you can still get home. Sometimes yeah. it'll just say, hey, this is a catastrophic failure. We've totally lost control. It may shut it completely down. We had yeah. a Ford diesel coming the other day that was doing that. It would just drop completely out and couldn't find out on his Trying to think of what sensor it was. It was something totally unrelated to the throttle body. Of course, that was on a diesel. It's a little different setup, but it would shut his power. You push it to the floor, it wouldn't do anything. We had yeah, that totally, totally ignoring it. 06, 07 Ford truck in the other day that Jeff put a throttle body on. We do see quite a bit of problems with them. Yeah. It's kind of a problematic system. Well, I appreciate all, all your right, help. All right, sir. Thank you. All right, sir. Thanks so much. Mm, bye-bye. Bye. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. And we've got Chris online. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I have a 1999 Toyota Corolla. Okay. And I was trying to replace my exhaust pipe. Okay. I bought an aftermarket, and it didn't fit. So right. I brought that back uh-huh. and decided to go a different route. Okay. I'm going to change the O2 sensors. Now, the o- the post-catalytic converter O2 sensor came out no problem, pretty mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. But I'm worried about that pre-converter sensor because okay. it's wedged between the engine and, the, I guess, the firewall or something? Yeah, sir. It can be pretty tight in there. Yeah, and I'm afraid, are those bolts going to be as brittle and yes. prone to break <laughs> yeah. as any of the other exhaust Oh, yeah. Bolts? Maybe more so because they run a lot hotter than the others. Okay, so I might be... It's a bolt-in sensor and not a screw-in sensor, Chris? It's got two bolts uh, in it and a flange? The pre-converter is a 
bolt in because it's right. a flange. Right, and the posts will screw in like the a spark plug. The posts screw in, right. Yeah, those come out a lot better than the ones with the flange. Get you some penetrating oil. Uh-huh. Let the, make sure the engine's cool. Get you some right. penetrating oil and put on those studs. Right. And leave it there for a couple hours. Yeah, and, okay. and then, be careful. Don't get it on the sensor because those right. sensors just, are vent at the atmosphere, and it will ruin the sensor. Just on the stud. And, then, and the other thing, okay, go ahead. Then take your wrench and just kind of work it back and forth a little bit. Don't try to break it all at one time. Yeah. Just, just right. kind of work it back and forth and let that penetrating oil yeah, get down just, in there. Just keep trying. Little, and they in, usually come right out. In the shop, sometimes we, we've actually got a tool that will heat them up. It's, uh-huh. it's an electrical tool you put on, and it actually will heat them. And if you heat just a nut, it will expand, and it comes off a little better. So there are ways to get them out, but sometimes they do break as well. Right. I got some of that creep penetrating yeah, oil. Yeah, that should good. work fine. Just make sure you get it on the stud and not on the sensor. Yeah, don't get it in the sensor. It will damage the sensor. And What about for the catalytic converter? I read somewhere that if you point one of those laser temperature guns, like at the front part of it, mm-hmm. and compare the reading to the back part of it, that'll help you figure out if your catalytic converter's working. Well, on a 99, you're going to set a code if that converter's not. It, you know, it tests itself way more accurately than you can with anything else. Yes, you can measure the temperature differential on it, once, but you got to get it hot and then measure the difference between the input and the output, and it's going to be slightly hotter on the output side than it is on the input side. But on an OBD2 car, which is 96 up, it's going to test mm-hmm. itself, and that's very, very accurate. I mean, it's if it's passing the OBD2 test, if not, you can have a PO420 code in there, which Great. is catalyst below efficiency, and you know that's pretty much a kiss of death. And one last question. Sure. I was told my harmonic balancer needs to be replaced. Is that a job that's doable if I buy pretty, one of those harmonic easy. balancer yeah. pullers? Yeah, pretty yeah. easy, and you may not even need a puller on that one. I think it may just be a slip fit on that one. It's got a great big nut in the front. You take that nut and wash it off, and I believe it just slips right off. Some of the older ones used to have a press fit a harmonic balancer. Right. Like I said, I can't say with certainty, but I'm pretty sure that's a slip fit on that particular balance it's a pretty easy job it just pulls right on out and then i think there's a seal or something that goes around it but uh, the only thing you might run into is getting a bolt loose yeah the big that great big nut you're gonna have bolt, to try to right. hold the crankshaft and turn the, the bolt at the same time because when you turn the bolt the it's tight enough it's gonna turn. turn the motor over so uh, okay. we well, usually use an impact yeah, wrench and it just hammers it kind of big impact wrench it, it can spin that bolt faster than right. the motor can turn obviously so it'll just back on right. out but when you try to do it with hand tools Unless you can find a place to try to hold it, and you got to be careful where you hold on that harmonic balancer, because yeah. you could damage the belt surface. You could mm-hmm. damage the balancer itself. Right. You might go to the back of the engine and see if you can maybe gain access to the flywheel. And sometimes right. take the starter out, and you can take a big screwdriver and put it in one of the gear teeth and hold, have somebody hold there while you break it loose. Take it loose. Uh, all right. Another trick is leave all the belts and everything on it. You know, don't mm-hmm. take any of that off until you break that nut. People go in and start taking it apart, and they take everything off. Then they get to the balance, and they get to that nut, and they can't do anything. As long as all the belts, accessory belts, and all that, that helps to hold it uh, right. for you, so it makes it a little bit easier to break loose. Okay. All righty. Thanks a lot. Okay, all Chris. Right. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And I think we're going to try one more call before the break. We've got Matt online. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I have a 2004 Chevy Silverado. Okay. And in the last few weeks, the speedometer has started to really act up. Yes, sometimes uh-huh. it shows faster. Sometimes yes, sir. how many miles you got faster. on it, Matt? I have about 90,000. Yeah, you're out okay. of warranty, unfortunately. They had a 70,000-mile recall for that problem. That's extremely common. 2003 to 2006 had that issue. They used defective stepper motors in the gauges. 
Usually the speedometer goes out first because it works the most, but the gas gauge, the oil pressure gauge, the temperature any, gauge, any the gauges tachometer, they're all going to do it, it in time. Uh-huh. We can actually rebuild those dash panels for you. We've got the late model stepper motors, and we can take the dash out, take it apart, unsolder, solder the new motors in. While we're in there, we generally change all the little light bulbs and dash as well. There's some little soldered-in light bulbs in there. Much, uh-huh. much cheaper than buying another dash. Right, and then you don't have to program it. Right. If you, if you buy another dash from Chevrolet, you have to be programmed to the vehicle. Within, so. Oh, is what, that right? Within, within 20, 20 miles? miles, yes, sir. Right. If you don't program it within 20 miles, it locks out. Well, it's real cool because what happens, you go buy the dash, you put it in, it cranks right up and runs fine, and when you get to 20 miles, it dies, and now you got to go buy another dash. I got you. <laughs> 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 About $800 lesson. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. tell me, what's an approximate price for y'all to rebuild Around $300. It? About $300? Yeah, yeah. Do it in about two hours in the shop. Okay. All right. Great. All right. And I guess uh, call in for an appointment. Yes, yeah, sir, because we stay, up. we book up about a week in advance most um, of the year round. If you first, just step up. First thing Monday morning, 7 o'clock, yeah. you can get an appointment. Maybe get an appointment next week. I'm not yeah, sure. give Elaine a call but early. Don't, because, don't wait. Yeah, because what happens, if, if you drop in, we'll still take it and we'll accommodate you. And we'll try to get it squeezed in, but a lot of times we can't get it in because there's too All many right. other cars there. Okay, great. All right. Okay, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a quick little break. Kevin, hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. So lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed. Ugh, my sheep keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep are not the smartest animals. <laughs> but you, Denise, you're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end. I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right, and it saves money in the long run. Ooh, but the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little halfwits in one place. <laughs> Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco. It's the place to go. Pennsylvania 6, 5,000. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, it's the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? And we'll be glad to talk to you and try to get you some advice. Going back to our phone lines, we've got Kevin on the line. Good morning, Kevin. How you doing? doing I have great. Good morning. I have a 1998 Infiniti Q45, and I have a rear end leak right at the back of the drive shaft. Okay. And I was trying to see if that's something I can change if I break those four bolts with that other no, piece sir. of slide out. No, sir. What problem are you going to have there, Kevin? The reason that seal starts to leak is because you've got some slack in the bearing behind that seal, and the shaft starts to move around, and that's what causes that seal to leak. Now, to complicate it even further, there's two bearings on that pinion gear. Between those two bearings is a part called a crush sleeve. And the reason they call it a crush sleeve is that when you set the rear end up, you put a brand-new crush sleeve in there, you start tightening that great big nut, and whenever it crushes the sleeve, it gets the end play on those bearings exactly right. That's what you have to have. Now, when you take the nut off and you put a new seal in there and you put the nut back down, tighten it back down, you disturb the alignment of those bearings. So. Most of the time, the bearings are already bad. That's the reason it's leaking. But if not, it's going to go bad if you take the nut off and put it back on. 
Okay. So what you end up doing is taking about a $350, $400 repair to do it. You'll take it out and change the crushed sleeve and change the seal and all, and you turn it into like an $1,800 to $2,000 repair because oh, you even set of gears up. <laughs> oh, I and I you. see it every day. I know some people swear by, oh, I can change just the seal, but I'm just telling you what Infinity says and what GM says and what Ford says and every other manufacturer rear says, do not change that seal without changing right. the crushed sleeve and the bearings. Okay. So it's it's kind of a specialty all its own. If it's a car you don't care about and you just want to roll the dice and see what happens, hey, you could try it. You can take that flange off. You can put a new seal, put it back, try to get it back like it was. But if you disturb the alignment of those two bearings, they're going to go bad. And when they go bad, you eat a set of gears up and get into a big, 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 big deal. Okay, I'll just may, may take may take six months to a year to occur, but it'll it'll generally occur. Okay, I'll just leave it alone for now because it's yeah. got a high mileage. If it's it. not leaking that bad, what I would probably recommend is just monitor the oil level, just keep putting oil in it. That's okay, probably I'll your do safest that. bet. You don't want to okay. let it get low. What's going to happen is that as it gets low, it'll quit leaking. Now, the okay. reason it quits leaking is because the oil's below the level of the seal. However, when that happens, you're not getting oil out to the wheel bearings either because okay. that oil level has to go out to lube those wheel bearings. So don't let it get low. You know, Keep checking it and adding fluid, but you can do that pretty much forever as long as you're prudent about it. Well, that's what I'll do then. I, there's no ceiling I can squirt in there or nothing like that. No, no sir. Anything you do is going to swell that seal up, may stop it temporarily, but then it'll come back with a vengeance, plus it'll make all the other seals go bad. Okay, I'll just keep an eye on it. There you go. Thank you. Okay, man. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the automotive eye, we would love to have you. And we've got SJ online. Good morning, SJ. Hey, Lou. I got a 2000 Avalon, and uh-huh. I went up the weeks ago, and going up the ramp there, I kind of heard like a whistling sound, something when I pressed in on the gas. I don't know if it's a vacuum leak or maybe something with a transmission or... Well, a whistling noise, generally you will not hear when you accelerate because engine vacuum lowers when you accelerate. Yeah, well, this one is when I accelerate. Yeah, that's generally not going to be any kind of vacuum leak because vacuum leaks are usually worse when you let off of it and, and the vacuum comes up. Could be so one of the accessories on the motor is making a little whistling noise and when you accelerate, you're loading it. A transmission is possible not common but possibility particularly if the filter is partially plugged up that can cause a whistle noise like that on acceleration so you just have to kind of see when it does it and what seems to affect it can you duplicate it sitting still no will not it's do it sitting still it doesn't do it in part no but if you put it in drive it does Man, that does sound almost like a transmission-type issue. Might want to have somebody take right. a look at that. Has it been serviced in the recent past? Probably not in about 30,000, 40,000 miles. Well, you about do for a service anyway. I would go get a proper service done on that and have the service tech cut the filter open and look inside, make sure there's no debris in there because a plug filter will definitely give you a whistle noise like that. And if that's the case, it's going to burn transmission up pretty fast because it's going to restrict the oil flow. When it restricts the oil flow, there's actually two circuits. One is the pressure circuit. The other is the lubrication circuit. Right. And what happens is that when it loses pressure, it cuts the lubrication circuit, puts all the pressure to the hydraulic circuit so the car will keep moving, but it'll burn transmission up pretty darn fast. Oh, okay. Hmm. Now, right. what you need to do, though, is if you're trying to find the whistle noise, mm-hmm. have the technician ride with you. Yeah, sure. Tell him, this is what I'm looking yeah, for. This, this what is what's bothering me. And then don't expect the transmission service to fix that. It's not going to fix it, but it will give but, you a lot more insight. Right, right. Just don't go in looking for a fix. Yeah, with it, a, with yeah a if symptom. you just go in and tell somebody, hey, service my transmission, he serves right. and you still got the same noise, well, because you didn't give him enough information, you have to say, look, this is what I'm trying to 
diagnose, and he may say, well, it's not a transmission problem. It's this. But it's due for transmission service But it's due service for service anyway. anyway. So the advantage of doing the service is you can drop the pan, you can look inside, drop the pan, and there's a snap ring laying in the pan and half of a gear tooth in there. Well, you pretty much got, be long. You got your answer right there. Well, I'm out. have to give Elaine a call. Then. <laughs> there you okay, go. man. All right. Sounds great. All Thank right, you, sir. sir. Bye-bye. Right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. We're going to take one more quick little break. James and John, you guys hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. Hello, you must be Glenda de Goodrich. Uh, relax on the couch and tell me what's stressing you out. Do you know how stressful it is to be good all the time? I don't want to be wicked, but sometimes I just like to not say thank you or pinch a bratty kid or stick my finger in a chocolate. And if I don't like the flavor, put it back in the box. Oh, that would be divine. Unfortunately, Glenda, I can't assist you with your goodness issues, uh, but for peace of mind, schedule an annual general inspection with Agco Automotive. They'll check out your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and let you know about future repairs. Sad ways, there are no surprises. Well, you definitely want your automotive repair shop to be good and not wicked. A young girl once told me there's no place like home. And I've got to go. Just bill me. I'll be somewhere over the rainbow. Toodaloo! Hmm, that little witch might not be so good after all. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour, your final segment. And we've got myself and Mr. Brian Terry here. Between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Once you go and give us calls, that'll get you right straight to us. Going right back to our phone lines with James. Good morning, James. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Good morning. 2011 GMC. Uh-huh. What's the problem there is that I'm looking to do something there. Of course, I want to stay away from dual air, the automatic pedals, and all the garbage there. Yeah, you're thinking about yeah. buying one, James? Right. You're not going to be able to stay away from too many things no. just because it's in there. The engineers that design that junk, they stick it in there, and I don't think they give any consideration to cost-benefit. They just put it in there. So... It's probably going to have traction control on it, almost anyone, even a base model. You're going to have all They're your... They're all going to be drive-by-wire. Drive-by-wire. Dual air. Yeah, um, they, just about everything yeah. you buy is going to just have that junk in there. It's just no, hard to get, get around it. Yeah, I can get away from dual air. Uh-huh. Can you? Okay. Well, they package that stuff up. Yeah, they do. Right. They do. And the less of that junk you can get, the better off you're going to be because it's just less stuff to break. So okay. I would probably look, when I bought my truck, of course, that's way back in 02, but, right. man, I bought the base model. I mean, mine don't have power windows. I got rubber floor mats, cloth seats, and <laughs> the old salesman, he act like he didn't want to sell it to me. Well, man, you need to get your V8. I don't want a V8. I want this. Man, you need to get out. I said, look, you about to talk yourself out of a truck, bud. <laughs> and, right. But he act like he didn't want to sell it to me. But the closer to a base model you can get, the better you are. But they all got just a whole bunch of junk on them, but. I guess okay. just roll dice, take care well, of it. And, and you're going to find a Chevrolet is going to be a little bit less expensive than a GMC. Yeah, basically the same just, exact truck. Right. But a little just bit because less of the expensive. way they're, they're set up. Okay, well, I've always bought 5.3 and had real good luck with it. It's them. a decent yeah. engine. It's a decent little low engine. I, we we have seen running. a lot of trouble with that engine over the years. A lot of people had some concerns about them. They're kind of noisy, and some of them idle a little rough, but right. not excessively so. 
And you stay with the four-speed too, right? You talking about a manual four-speed? No, no. Four-speed uh, transmission, right. automatic. If you can get that, yes, I would. Yes, and uh, the because it's a package. It's you, a uh, lot, lot less expensive than that newer transmission they've come out with. Right. If you ever have to repair that new one, you in some big, big, big bucks. And there's just not uh, enough benefits. There's justify. no benefits right. you're going to notice. Okay. All right. All I need. Okay, Miss James. All right, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you. All right, we're running low on time, so we can try to catch as many of these calls as we can. We've got John's been patiently holding. Good morning, John. Yeah, good morning to you. Good yes, morning. Sir. My problem, I have a 2008 Chevrolet. Okay. Truck, uh-huh. And the indicator on the dash came on, uh, the engine light came on, and my son brought it by and had it checked out, and they said it was a loose fuel. Okay, that's one possibility. Yes, sir. Tighten the fuel cap. Uh-huh. For about a week, everything was A-OK. Yes. Then it's an indication of another loose fuel cap. Well, you see, whoever's telling you that, doesn't sound like a professional because number one, there is no indicate nothing that says loose fuel cap. What it says is small evap leak or gross Large, evap leak, right. and a loose fuel cap is one possible cause of that. However, there's lots and lots and lots of others. One of the most common things we see on there, John, is the rear vent solenoid. It's called an evaporative emissions vent solenoid. It's going to set the same exact code. Of course, a vacuum line off is going to set the same exact code. Any kind Four. of leak anywhere in the system is going to set the same exact code. 449. Okay. I think it's well, a PPO-449, PPO something like that. Yeah. And I got to tell you, that solenoid that GM makes, almost every one of them fails within two or three years. The new one you put in there is probably going to last about a year, and it's going to go out. It's yeah. just absolute garbage. I've put three on an 06 already. Yeah, it's, it really gripes me when i got to do one because i I got you know I got to look the guy in the eye and say, man, look, I'm going to put the best I can. But you know what? I guarantee it's put on right, but I can't tell you the soil ain't going to go bad again. Well, he's uh, he's out of warranty now, and so uh, mm-hmm. I think I'm just going to head him to you and let you fix it. Yes, sir, I can look at it. There's actually a kit to relocate that solenoid. You put a it piece is- of hose on it. The solenoid and all, all, but the solenoids themselves are just right. bad. It's just not built right. The solenoid stays, and you move the vent up underneath the back of the transmission. Right, which does supposedly help. help but, yeah, that, I right. would almost bet you that's the problem he's got. Pretty yeah. common. Yeah. Okay, well, that sounds like a good deal, and that's what I needed to know. Okay, Mr. John. I think he needs to trade the truck. Cause no, no, not, no, at no not at all. No, it's, it's not anything that's going to cost that much money to fix. Okay. All right, sir. Thank you very much. Have Thank, a good day. Thanks, Thank sir. You. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to try to catch another call or two here if we can. We got Jim online. Good morning, Jim. Hey, yeah, I got a Toyota Tacoma pickup uh-huh. truck, a yes. 97. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, the air conditioner works good, but it only works on the defrost vent. It won't work on the, um, any other vent. Yes, sir. Their little control panel on the dash is kind of bad. There's some little wires in that thing, and they will break. And when they break, it quits operating on all the modes. You manual now, wires that actually move it? No, it's it's little electrical wires. It's okay. got a it's got a bunch of stepper motors that do the movement. It's got like a little ribbon cable in there, and it actually breaks. And when it breaks, it quits conducting electricity. Now, Toyota will be glad to sell you another control here for about 800 bucks. But we have had pretty good luck repairing those wires, Jim. I can't say I can fix yours, but a lot of times we can take it apart and reconnect those wires, replace that little cable, and solder it back together. It's not designed to be fixed, but we have fixed a lot of them. That's oh. probably what the problem is. I can't say for sure because there's some other things that could cause it, but... That's what I would probably be looking for. When that is, much, when that happens, that's a safety issue. It goes to defrost. Yeah, it's got a spring. So that, that's why it goes there. It doesn't get it because defrost is a safety right. issue. So, how much something like that might cost? I just have to see it, man. Okay, so a lot less than a new panel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Okay, yeah. guys. Okay, man. Thanks. Bye bye. All right.
All right, I tell you, we are just totally out of time. That's I, it, boy. Everybody didn't get a chance to call in. I see all our lines lit up right now. That's right. Just hit the website and hit the right. contact bar, send us an email, use the form on the website. That's right. Get your questions answered that way. Yeah, because if you just reply to an old, maybe you'd sent me something in the past, you got an old one stored or something, and you reply to it, it's just going to pop back to you. Right, it's not going to come through. Rude little message on it. <laughs> <laughs> saying, saying reply, automated reply or something like that, because we got, we're getting so much spam. We've actually got an automated system now, and if it doesn't see a date and an algorithm from the website it's just going to reject it and send Correct. it back to you so send that on one of those fresh forms just hit contact go ahead and type the message in and send it to us hey we appreciate everybody listening this morning and every saturday morning on automotive hour I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week that's tell right. your friends and give us a call that's right let us hear from you go ahead and send me an email tell us if you like the show if you don't like the show Something else you'd like to see on the show? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.